High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, slumbers who take their studies a little bit more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. I'm Aislinn Addington, and this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. And your assignment today was to watch 2018's Banana Split. But before we chat all about that film, we have some other homework to discuss. Absolutely. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now. Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Fun words. Easy to subscribe. <laughs> Join us. It definitely is. I feel bad sometimes because I try to subscribe to all the podcasts I listen to, but occasionally I'll like take a look and be like, oh, even though I listen to this every week, I'm not subscribed for some reason. So sometimes you think you're subscribed and you're not. So just a gotcha. warning. Gotcha. Moral of the story. Double check. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, class participation is a huge part of your grade. Follow High School Slumber Party on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'll chat back with you. And, you know, it's a fun, good, positive conversation, hopefully. On that note, too, more on the, like, hit the subscribe button note. Another thing that I don't do that I should is, like, after I watch the movie, it's always like, oh, did you like it? Or, you know, is it on your list? Like... Help our ag- algorithm. And I never do it. But then, like, I was watching a film recently that I enjoyed. And I'm like, I should like it because it's a small independent studio. And that probably tells Netflix, Hulu, whatever, that, like, hey, buy more of these. So I'm going to start doing that more. I think that's a good point. And something to keep in mind, and I don't mean to open a can of worms that I don't know enough about, but... <laughs> especially when it comes to small independent things um, or things uh, created by folks from maybe traditionally underrepresented or marginalized groups is really important. These algorithms that we talk about as if they are independent of humanity (laughs) are built by humans. And like a lot of things, traditionally, (laughs) a lot of those humans were from some of the same demographics. Right. And so like the systems everywhere we look, right, the systems are built consciously or unconsciously, but most of the time, I think consciously, (laughs) you know, for folks with, you know, kind of those identities that align with whether you want to say the majority or mainstream culture or kind of whatever else that way. So just saying it's even more important to stand up and shout out loud for things that the algorithm is going to have a harder time picking up because it was not built with representation in mind. So another reason to uh, cultivate, to curate your 
um, viewing and give interesting new things a chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. You kind of make me think of some darker algorithm stuff too, because like, still do it, people. Don't let me discourage you of what I'm about to say. But also, you're right, there are human beings behind this anyway. The algorithm could tell them that this is what people want to see, and they could just still be like, nope, this is what we're doing. But we're going to try to help any way we can. Absolutely. So today we're talking, as I said, banana split. But before we talk banana split, do you have any feedback on our Mickey and the Bear episode? Well, I'm still a little bit nervous. I don't know. I feel like somebody from the movie is going to get mad at me for me saying it lacked some of the magic that I was hoping for. Um, (laughs) So I'm sort of peeking around corners on Twitter and Instagram. Like, is someone mad at me? And again, I will say, I love seeing the landscape and I love that. um, Yeah. The vistas, I I would, I would watch it again for the vistas. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? What was the reaction in, in your um, I mean, social media universe again, smaller independent film. A couple of people who had seen it, I think it was even Joey, was like, Oh, get prepared to be depressed watching this. That's really the feedback I, I got. Joke's on you, Joey. I'm already depressed. <laughs> um, the, the funny thing about what you said though is like, I get really, really nervous sometimes with these smaller independent films because occasionally you'll get like. As high as the director, but also someone random will like it. I'm like, oh, why? Oh, it's someone who created the film, and they seem so excited that we're covering it. Oh, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, I think hopefully in our case, you know, Camilla is busy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I enjoyed the film, too. I feel like we offer a balanced point of view. If we both hate something, it's probably for good reason. You know, so we're going to still be honest here on High Slumber Party AP. Don't worry. We're not going to let the corporations, big or small, <laughs> push us around. Valid point. And you mentioned Camilla Marone. She was actually involved with your uh, catch-up homework assignment. You know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll mention a movie that we covered here already on High Slumber Party pre-AP, usually. And uh, you... Do me the humble favor of watching it and letting me know what you think. And the film was actually Never Going Back, which was episode 70 of High School Slumber Party. Jesse, get up. Mm. You have to get up now because I have something really, really awesome to show you. Did you draw a dick on my face? You <laughs> 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 it's funny? We are going to Galveston for your birthday. Oh my god! We deserve this. Uh-huh. We work our asses off. Yep. Let's go to the fucking beach. Starring Camilla Marone, among others. So what'd you think of Never Going Back? Gosh. Um, it was written and directed by a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes. again, having just talked about representation, I, I think that's great. I'm glad it was made. It's not a story that I connected with a ton. And there are a couple of reasons for that. So like a couple of kind of standout things for me is just a preference thing. I don't love the storyline of, oh no, we accidentally got high. Oh, I I agree with you with that. That's one of my... That makes me nervous and uncomfortable. And there are places where there are exceptions to my rule for that, but just sort of broadly, that's not so kind of... There's little sort of pieces of that in there. And I I don't mean like, I don't want to see drug use. Like that's not the issue, but sort of the 
if, if it's, you know, somebody tricking someone else or someone not understanding what they're consuming, like that's where I, I don't know. So there was a little bit of that, like, oh no, then we got super wasted. Um, <laughs> and then I also, my little tiny world has been very school focused. And I think also a lot of the movies we cover incorporate that. And so I'm, I'm glad that you had me watch this where it was kind of a different thing, right? These are young people who are not, not in school. And I'm all for that as well. It's not that I only, like, it's not that college is the only path. That's not what I'm saying. But in terms of something for me to kind of connect to with it, it was interesting to watch, but it was very much like, oh, this is, this is another story. It, I, I, it didn't resonate. I didn't sort of connect with it in the way that maybe I would with some other things. I don't know if that's why, but in thinking back through it, that's sort of what, what I decided it was. I do think within it, there were some really fun performances. And so, you know, I, I enjoyed it and I don't think I'd watch it again. Well, you'd have to uh, really go back to episode 70 to hear my opinion. It was so I'd, long and ago. I'm, and I'm going to, because, and that's what I do with, it's tough because I've listened to a lot of High School Slumber Party, but then once I started doing this with you, then I was like, ooh, okay, I better not like go back to the whole catalog because some of these are going to be assignments. So like, I'm more likely to have listened to the more nostalgic ones. Oh, for sure. And so now I look forward to going back and hearing what y'all said about it and kind of get in on that conversation now. So thank you for that opportunity. Well, I'm kind of nervous about that too, because... 2018 was a long time ago. I can't believe I was even doing this show in 2018. It to was be a honest, universe ago. Ooh. So, as much as I even want to hear what I thought about the film, and I think it was in agreement with a lot of what you're saying. And I think the most appealing thing to me was the fact that these were two young women who were dropouts, and we usually do see the opposite here. But at the same time, I hope I've grown as a person since 2018. So if you do listen back, Island or any listener who's listening right now, and you're like, wow, that Brian is a jerk or something, let me know. I, I love to be corrected, <laughs> but but apologies in advance. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, so I did my homework this time. Brian, did you do your homework? Yes, yes, and I've been excited to do this this segment in 2022. And of course, that segment is Study Abroad. For today's episode, the film I watched was called Double Dad. It's from Brazil, and it's originally in Portuguese. However, Netflix... On Netflix, you could watch it in Portuguese with the English subtitles. I do not speak Portuguese. Or you can watch the dub, which is a little awkward. But to be fair, I did watch the dub because 
I didn't realize you can get the Portuguese in the subtitles. Also, it was easier oh, gotcha. to have it on in the background because the default. That's true. If you're if you're multitasking, it's very hard to do that with subtitles. Yes, <laughs> the default is the dub, which is weird. Which actually, I had included this on our 2021 year in review because I didn't realize it was a Portuguese movie, and I was watching it, and I was like, "What's going on? Why are they like out of sync, or why do they sound really like lame, or whatever?" But yeah. it was, and then like maybe a minute in i'm like oh okay and then again i just assumed it was just dubbed over net on netflix but netflix always has the options it was an interesting film because it was a netflix produced film and i think it was or at least distributed film and i think it was really to appeal to more either netflix brazil or at least portuguese speakers when we talk about who the movie was made for this was yeah. definitely made for a um Portuguese speakers, as I said, but also like a younger crowd. Once again, it had kind of a Disney Channel original movie vibes. Okay, that's fun. Basically, the plot was, you could probably guess it. Um, (laughs) You could probably guess some elements of it, at least. But young woman, she grew up uh, essentially in in a commune with her mother. And she's never known who her biological father is. And she turns 18 on the first moment that we see in the film and her mother takes a goes on a yoga retreat to india so she kind of takes the summer to try to discover who her father might be in a sort of mamma mia kind of thing like bring them all to you or she she leaves the commune and goes out to i believe rio de janeiro because she finds a picture a couple photos of her mom that roughly correspond to 18 years before that date um so she meets one person an artist who she believes could be her father and she really ends up connecting with him and getting to know him. And then she finds another picture with another dude who is like more of like the wall street bro type, not a bro, but you know, he's in charge of a very large Brazilian bank. I don't know. (laughs) And she, she uh, forms a bond with him as well. And she hasn't told these two potential dads who knew each other when they were young, but haven't spoke to each, to each other in years. Sure. Uh, they both could be your father, and hijinks ensue. <laughs> <You Russia. know? laughs> it sounds like something I would have watched as a kid in the 90s. I was and... just going to say, <laughs> were you a My Two Dads person? <laughs> my, two, my Two Dads, great. I love a, love a good uh, sitcom there. But yeah, you know what? But like exactly that vibe in terms of like, one's more the artist, and one's yeah. like straight lace. But... Like odd couple... Who's who, who's your daddy odd couple uh, <laughs> worlds colliding sort of nature yeah, nurture all that stuff and it's also a fish out of water story because again yeah. she's lived her whole time on this kind of hippie commune so when she's in the big city and sees like escalators for her first time you know it's a big deal but yeah I mean it's a cute movie yeah it's not necessarily you know it's not a thought provoking movie. <laughs> in any sense but if you just want some light-hearted brazilian fun great a lot of good i would love some light-hearted brazilian fun (laughs) fair enough fair enough (laughs) i just wanted to bring up the director was chris dimato uh no critical score not sure why maybe you know maybe there's a rotten tomatoes brazil that i don't know about the audience score was 62%, but again, not a lot of reviews. 2.9 on Letterboxd. Not what I would say is a Letterboxd movie anyway, so whatever. Take those scores for what you will. But simple, easygoing movie. 
Uh, so yeah, that was Double Dad from Brazil. Well, fun. I'm so I I like this segment, and I love the idea of the um, study abroad um, idea. And so, is this a place where I can recommend? Because I do have a foreign teen film recommendation from 2021. Oh no! <laughs> Never mind. But we could. What, what's the film? I texted you about it at some point. But um, oh yes, yes. Uh, Rem- Tomorrow when the war began is the name of it, and it's based on a YA. And I loved the book and read it many times. And then was truly just like as a as a teen, and then and in grad school, I just looked it up online just to see because I didn't know. And it turned out that like that year, so it was I want to say twenty ten ish. Yeah, twenty ten. It was one of the highest grossing like Australian movies, and it took a while for it to come over here. Um, but now, at least one of the actors in it is like mainstream awesome and he was in crazy rich asians he's now in the um amazon prime show as we see it happened to be my favorite character in the book of course nice so it's one of those weird things that like i have watched this ip sort of through my life (laughs) and i'm the only one uh i don't know anyone who's read this book i don't know anyone other than the person I made watch the movie version with me who's watched it so you're right it is not it is not contemporary enough to fit our charge and it's an Australian teen movie based on YA and I love it well Aislinn I don't know if you're aware but you are allowed to be on regular high school slumber party (laughs) you don't have to just do the AP thing so yeah I remember it's just been a minute (laughs) Well, we'll cover that definitely. That does sound interesting. Okay, so there was one more thing I wanted to talk about before we got into our Banana Split episode. The American High Film Festival. Listeners out there, you might be like, what is that? So American High, I was not terribly familiar with what they were. I just kept seeing this logo in front of a bunch of teen films. And I thought it was cool that I don't know, they were making some of these movies. I didn't know much about them, but I decided to follow them on social media. And either they followed me back or they liked maybe the 2021 year in review or something along those lines. I know they've been for like a, I know it's an independent film studio, but they've been pretty interactive. Like if you comment on their thing, they'll respond. I don't know. It's nice to feel loved. But uh I was looking at their social media the other day and they had a big announcement that they're going to have a teen film festival this year um, in August. And that's obviously right up our alley, you know, modern teen Absolutely. On AP, on our uh, almost a year or maybe I don't even know now of doing AP, we've, uh, you know, kind of been like, make give us more teen films, give us more teen sex comedies, give us more different things, right? They don't Absolutely. all just have to be the YA dramedy. Or the very, very serious, you know. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Mickey and the Bear, never rarely, like, those slice of difficult life movies. Yeah, which, other. you know, there's a place for those, but. Absolutely. But yes, let's get more, more variety. Let's get more stories. Let's get more perspectives. So I, uh. 
I went to their website and yes. realized that not only were they the producers of today's film, we're going to talk about Banana Split, but Sex Appeal, which we know we're covering, Big Time Adolescence, which I've covered on this show, Plan B, which we want to cover, The Ultimate yes. Play- Playlist of Noise, which we want to cover, a film, a film called The Binge, which I watched as well for the 2020 rewatch. I'm, I'm like... Bravo, American High. Bravo. So they're based in Syracuse, New York, or the Syracuse area. Not terribly close to me, but the state I live in. Being from the uh, fourth largest state in the nation, I don't have a good sense of just because something's in the same state to me does not mean it's anywhere near close. So New York City to Syracuse is approximately how many hours drive? Probably five or six, I'd have to okay. see. Okay, so um, definitely a plan ahead, but a get there in a day, in one day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, okay. New York State, I mean, you're from a big state, so you definitely have that perspective. The Northeast is a little bit, not weird, but I mean, it is. But like, you know, I could get to Philadelphia right now. And... Right, you could you could go to dinner in New Jersey. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I could be injured in This was minutes. very odd to me the first time I visited my brother in New York. And we went to <laughs> Connecticut one day, just like, you know, on a train. And I was like, we've moved states. Amazing. <laughs> my, my little brain exploded. So are you going to go? Are we going to go? What's happening? You're, you're welcome to come, Iceland, because right now I don't have anyone to come with me. Unfortunately, that is my wife's uh, well, her birthday is the Saturday, and this is Thursday and Friday, which is ooh, wait, uh, yeah, which is that's tough. But I mean, th- that's fine. But she has concert tickets for Friday, and you know, she's gonna go with a friend, um, which is fine. But I'm probably schlepping up to Syracuse <laughs> alone. The funny thing about like Syracuse and up there, just to get back to the state thing, because it is fascinating to me. Like I said, Philadelphia is like two hours from here. But it's definitely its own unique, distinct culture, right? Upstate New York, still very distinct culture, but they still feel connected to New York City. Okay. You know, also a lot of of people from my area go to Syracuse University, so college town in, in that sense, you know, one of the bigger schools in New York State. And I go upstate a lot. I don't really, I've never actually been to Syracuse itself, but I've been in that area. But it's funny because watching these American High films, they're almost all filmed up there. And like I said, I know the area a little bit and I still know the feel of the area. So I've been noticing it in the films and I think it's super cool. And I really, I want to go up, yes, to see these teen movies. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to read a, a little bit of what American High is all about. The film festival's website really, oh, it just chef's kiss music to my ears. Yeah. But, but it's something where it feels like it's a dream of mine that I'll never achieve. And I'm very aware of that. Like, I do not have the funds to make my own film studio. But if I had the funds to make my own film studio, this is what I would do. And I'm very curious to like how it started and stuff. Because like. Maybe the people who are in charge are from Syracuse and we're like, we just want to make teen films. Let's do it because, I don't know, so cool. So I'm going to read this as quick as possible. I might cut some of this out, but this is what it says on on the uh, site for the film festival. Thank you for your interest in submitting your project to the first American High Film Festival. I am not submitting a project, unfortunately, (laughs) but this is what I'm reading. The AHFF is the first ever high school-only 
Film Festival. American High was founded in 2017 by Jeremy Garlick, and it has, in parentheses, wedding, The Wedding Ringer, The Hangover, The Breakup, The Binge. American High is a full-service production company that specializes in heartfelt teen comedies. Yes! Yes! <laughs> so, so far, so good. The A... HFF was founded under the same belief as American High's mission to create the next generation of iconic high school films. That's like ripping the words out of my mouth. (laughs) Why high school? Simple. Because it is one of the only shared experiences that we all go through. It's where every challenge feels like life and death, where every victory is your greatest accomplishment. It's a world of firsts. It's where you first were snuck out of your house and were grounded for a week. Where you first learned how to drive and crash into a lake. Where you had your first kiss. The first time you touched a boob. Whoa, okay. The first time you touched a boob or someone touched yours. Where you discover who your friends are, the music you love, the movies you love, and what your style is. Who you are. I love that. Except, of course, for the boob, which I feel like we've covered enough that we've talked about this. My um, disdain for when people mean breast and say boob you've mentioned it once or twice then i won't revisit it now. <laughs> you know my stance well it, it was a little jarring to read and that doesn't make me against american high or anything like that but i was like oh i didn't i didn't think that was going to be there regardless i love everything they're saying really here like um and then it just goes on to say like what what categories will be there but someone or people with that mission is so in line with the mission we have here that, again, it makes me very happy. So, hey, if you are a filmmaker out there and you have a high school film, submit it. I do not, but I have a podcast and I hope I can go up there and maybe I'll be lucky enough to interview somebody because I really, you know. Yeah, I, I feel like you should go up as an expert. Yes, and if you and, and if any of you listeners out there want to come with me, let me know because they should have you as like a panelist. I mean, that would be cool. <laughs> we'll let we'll we'll talk more about this. We'll we'll get we'll get this done. I feel good about it. <laughs> well, I just wanted to mention uh, American High. Give them a shout out. And again, what a coincidence that it's today's film we're going to talk about is an American High produced film. Yes, our movie today, Banana Split. We've said it a few times. We will probably continue to say it in the recording. Um, but speaking of that, just a reminder that we recorded the um, actual movie discussion bit previously a few months ago, and so. If some, if we're not mentioning important things that are happening in the world right now, or if we're mentioning things that don't make sense, I don't know how much of that we do. But just as a reminder, it was uh, recorded when we had more time to record things. <laughs> and we're sending it out to y'all with love right now. So let's roll the tape. Banana Split from 2020 on Netflix. Despite leaving for college, a heartsick teen tries to build a new friendship with a kindred spirit, even though she's dating her ex-boyfriend. Okay, I mean. <laughs> I mean, true, but not well-written. No. In a way that's understandable if you haven't seen the movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Oh, Banana Split. This is not a Netflix film in a sense okay and not even like a netflix oh we saw it at a film festival it's produced this is just a movie that i believe just happens to be 
on Netflix. Maybe they got some sort of deal or whatever. I'm not sure, but this isn't like the kissing booth or the two all the boys thing. So distributed by Netflix, not developed by Netflix. Did yours have the red N on it? Because that's usually like things in the Netflix family. Oh, gotcha. I did not pay attention. Sorry. I'm pretty sure it didn't. I just think it's something that like, they were just like, hey, let's air it on our service. Sure. You know? Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Maybe it, they, I don't know. I, I imagine that sometimes like packages, like Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that we'll take happens. these six things and or these hundred things or whatever it is. But in any case, it was on Netflix, so it is pretty. I mean, I, I think of Netflix as one of the more accessible streaming services. If that's not how it is for you, you know, uh, find find me on Twitter or Instagram. I'll I'll give you my password. <laughs> you can have one of my profiles. It definitely is, and also like accessible in two ways. One, most people have it, and two. It's like the Apple of things in a sense where you get an Apple person to try switching to Android. It might be a better phone. They can't do it because they've learned it on that. Like we base all our even searching and algorithm stuff on how Netflix taught us how to do that, essentially. Sure. And and, and like Kleenex or the other things where a brand name means something, right? Like Netflix and chill, for example. (laughs) Nobody Hulu's in Could have been streaming in chill. Yeah, true, yeah. (laughs) Um, The Netflix thing, too, is interesting as well because I think that's how I discovered this film. I'd never seen this film until this watch now. I often will just Google search teen movies from this year or I'll go into the streaming service and just type teen genre and then start writing things down. Um, so that's possibly how I discovered it. I don't really know. Um, had you heard of this one before? I had not. Um, I had not. And I don't even think that Netflix had ever showed it to me. Because there, there are times when, you know, you suggest a movie. And then when I see the, the mm. little cover page or the, you know, post poster, if you will, um, then I'm like, oh, that's been suggested. Or I've, you know, that's some, somewhat familiar to me. This was blank page in my mind. Which doesn't mean I've never see, see, seen it, but, but yeah, I, I, this was brand new for me. So I couldn't find a lot about this film because this is one of these like true indie film festival films that, you know, they're, they're submitting it to get there and hoping somebody buys it to distribute it. And by the way, I think a lot, I, I was mentioning this to my friends and they were thinking it was another film called The Banana Splits Movie. Have you heard of that one? I have. Only because when I went to look at the trailer for this, that's what came up. <laughs> it's very different. Yeah, and I had to be like, oh, wait, no, this is not what we're doing. <laughs> uh, so if you listened thinking you were seeing like a slasher film based on a fake children's show, you watched the wrong movie. You so. watched the wrong movie. And I will not watch that movie for you. I, <laughs> I'm going to stand firm on that. No, this this is an indie movie that... I guess if you saw it in the festival, maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you're familiar with some of the cast. I'm not sure. Absolutely. I tried to get as as much information as possible, and I did not get much information at all. I did get this. This movie did not have a theatrical release at all, and that has nothing to do with the pandemic. This is 2018. It was in the L.A. Film Festival and then went straight to streaming after that. Which, on the one hand, is like, oh... You know, that's likely not what some people had hoped. On the other hand, you went to a, a festival. I mean, certainly an important one, but you went to a festival and then 
Netflix distributed it. So like, to me, that's success. And it was probably a little bit more weird in 2018. And now I think that's more the norm than anything. If you bring a film to festival that you're like hoping to get the stream. I'm yeah. sure you would love the theatrical release, but I think now more like you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. It, especially Netflix. Totally. I wonder from an actor's perspective, and it mm. might be like, depend on their level and a lot of other things too. But, you know, I, I don't know. Does, um, hmm. If it flops on Netflix, are other people going to say that was a flop or not? Because it doesn't have that traditional budget versus box office. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, is it a softer landing for folks when things are less successful? If it were me, and again, I'm not an actor. I have never been in this position. But if it were me, I would love the fact that it was on Netflix, even if it does bomb on Netflix, because it's my work. And it's easy to show someone, hey, just watch it on Netflix, right? Instead of, oh, it's screening at a couple theaters in L.A. and New York. Right. And then you'll never see it again, you know? Or yeah. like, oh, it's on uh, one of those weird streaming services. Like, you know... There's like a lot of indie streaming services that'll pick up things from festivals that oh, okay. only people, and of course, like, the names are escaping my mind now. But like, my, I mean, would Sundance, like Sundance has a channel. Sundance has a channel. And that's, I would say that's like more the higher level. Like, In okay. between. That's like the, it's the, it's the um, Sam Adams. <laughs> right. It's technically craft. Yeah, technically. Yeah, exactly. And yet it's owned by the big dog. So it's not really. Ooh, you really uh, speak in my language now. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and if you want to know more, uh, listen to the beer episode of Why Aren't We All? <laughs> yes, yes. Great episode. Great episode. So me and my brother are like seven years apart. And we didn't grow up, I would say, you know, culturally liking the same things. Because when you're young, seven years is a big gulf. Absolutely. But now... I don't know if it's upbringing or genetics. We happen to like a lot of the same things. Oh, that's um, great. And it's crazy. Like, uh, you know, recently P.T. Anderson new movie, uh, Liquor's Pizza, teen movie. Maybe by this point I've had an episode on it. I'm not sure. I saw him on Thanksgiving and I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, me and my friend are seeing it on Sunday. I know it's it's only screening in New York and L.A. now. So, you know, thought I would get ahead. He's like, yeah, I'm seeing it tonight. I'm like, you know. like <laughs> Oh, snap. So as much as I love movies, obviously have a podcast, he subscribes to some of these channels and he'll know about some of these. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, indie things that I won't even know about. Yeah. Uh, so that that's that's the only like, and also the godfather himself, Joey Landowski, at least he used to be on more of the film festival circuit or keeping sure. an ear to the ground for these things. So that's kind of how I hear it. I'm not a big, like read the trades, look for an indie, that looks interesting person. Sure. I've never been to a, like, okay. I've never been to, like, one of the big film festivals, you know. I've been to a film festival at my high school and things like that. But, sure. <laughs> so these are always interesting to me. But, I'll, I, like, another thing, too, like, I have to be honest with you, before I started podcasting, I really didn't know a lot of these existed. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, you're someone who... Podcaster as well, film podcaster as well. Sure, and I and I grew up. I am the younger sibling of a, a you know sibling pair, where the older sibling has been into movies since forever. So I've I've osmosed, not a word, <laughs> and I've been you know kind of saturated in it for for a long time and led through 
by the by the other person. You know what I mean? Like I've 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 gotten information that I didn't seek out that was just there because <laughs> because Tobin was there to give it to me. Yeah, and that's why I was going to ask uh, you that question today. Like, is this a, like not particularly this one because you hadn't seen it, but do you currently seek out more independent films, or do maybe? Or maybe does maybe Tobin mention them to you? Like, are, are indie films like this ever on your radar? Yes, absolutely. And I would say, I mean, certainly pandemic has exploded all the norms. So I'm I'm thinking of certainly earlier time period, and particularly, you know, Tobin lived in New York for a long time and um, went to film school in New York and and various things. So he would seek out that information and hear about things, and has always been generous with even still to this day, he will send me a trailer for something. Mm. Like we both love to watch trailers. And I know that in the Cage Club universe, that is not universally true. Very true. Like, right, uh, our, our <laughs> godfather, our benevolent overlord, <laughs> uh, famously doesn't like trailers. But so, so yes. So what is the one, um, it's, the, it's the Aubrey Plaza super like weird satirical nun thing, like little voices, tiny oh, voices. Oh yeah, uh, what was that like, called? that kind of thing he will send me and be like whoa what is this where is this coming from or you know oh the little hours the little little hours, hours. oh i think it was voices yeah so i would say right now i don't feel particularly on top of like what's up in indie things but yes tobin has been generous with information and and there were times where we were trying to find like the one vhs copy of something tiny in our town or um, there is a, a couple, uh, you know, super independent theaters in Missoula where we would go, you know, we watched the um, the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet that nice. was, that had an, an intermission, right, <laughs> was shown theatrically and we went to it. And there's some other, I, the one's coming to my mind is Felicia's Journey, which is a bizarre <laughs> movie. Um, I love that, that title. We went to in the theater together. And so, yeah, I have great memories of indie films and there are, you know, small films that, that I've shown to other people. Like I, I, yes, I would like to say that I'm not, I don't know everything. I'm not a, I'm not an Uber connoisseur, but I think I am on the more aware side of, of that. And I, and I am, I do like small stories. Mm -hmm. I would say more than I like giant stories, especially because I don't like super loud things. So, (laughs) so a banana split is going to be more attractive to me than any like Marvel cinematic universe kind of thing. Not to say that I don't also enjoy some of that some of the time, but I thoroughly enjoyed the idea of this movie and the experience of watching this movie. I have things to say mm-hmm. and thoughts and questions, but yeah, this, this is definitely like my bag and would have been, let's say it came out 10 years ago. I would have, I think I would have like, been showing it to people probably wow that that's cool uh part of the reason i ask is you kind of led me into it what i do love about these films especially from like the teenage perspective which is mostly the indie i'm getting by the way if tobin knows any uh new independent teen films tell him to send it our way please all right well we'll we'll pick his brain for those (laughs) but you tend to get exactly what you said like intimate portrayals small portrayals not in importance but in just a couple characters and just what they're going through and often filmmakers who are involved in with well a lot of hats we'll say on uh 
on the screen here. Absolutely. And we get that today with uh, Hannah Marks, who is a writer, pro- uh, co-writer, producer, and actor in this film. Uh, were you familiar with Hannah Marks at all? I'll tell you, both of the, well, I guess three of the four leads, but certainly both the female leads looked so familiar to me. And I could look through their IMDb and be like, oh, I guess, yes, no, maybe. I didn't know either of their names, but their faces were familiar. Yeah, both Hannah Marks, and uh, the, uh, who plays April, and Liana Liberato, who plays Clara, exactly that, like familiar faces, and if you click their IMDb, tons of work. Yeah. After being like, oh, okay, and then looking up, like, the Googling the image of the movie, Hannah Marks was in Accepted, and I vaguely remember her in that, and uh, The Runaways, she was in that too. Thank you. Yes, I think that was... And then it's like, oh, okay, like, you know what I mean? But these are certainly not household names to me. Because I did some homework, but not all my homework. Clara, he, here is my experience of Clara. I, I thought she did a great job in the film. But um, part of me kept being worried she was going to turn into a vampire. I don't know why. I don't know what? if it was the way she was made up. Or <laughs> does she have horror in her background? Like, have I seen her in a trailer of a horror film? Because it just seemed like she was going to turn evil to me. I can totally see that now that you say it. Um, it looks like there's some horror on here, but I'm not a big horror person, so I'm not familiar with... Yeah, uh, neither almost, am I. She's in a movie called Haunt. I'm assuming that's horror. <laughs> yeah, 2013. Um, she's in a movie called Trespass. I assume that's sort of... Oh, that's the Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman film. Okay. Uh, they covered it on the network here. Honestly, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'll take a look. So really, not a lot of info on this movie. So I'm going to take some stabs, educated guesses at some of the background of this film. Notice that, again, Hannah Marks co-wrote, produced, starred in it. Love it. Did not direct. Um, It was a first-time director named, I might be mispronouncing this, uh, Benjamin Kasseluk, who is more known as a cinematographer. Okay. And that, that happens sometimes, right? Like, you know, people do different roles at different times. Like that's not always, right? Not all cinematographers want to be directors and vice versa, but that seems, that makes sense to me. Of like, okay, I've done this role. I'm going to try, you know, this piece of it and, you know, see how that works. At least to dip your toe in a little bit, right? Like yeah. uh, the biggest thing I found that I knew that uh, he had done as, as a cinematographer was a uh, safety not guaranteed? It's like an Aubrey, Pla- oh Aubrey my Plaza gosh, film. Yes, oh yes, Jake Johnson. I'm I'm yeah. very familiar. Yeah, so he he worked on that as okay. a cinematographer and a bunch of other uh, like indie stuff. Again, I don't know their relationship. I'm sure I could do an even deeper dive and figure it out. But all I can infer is maybe she enjoyed the process. Maybe she wanted to take more steps. But she actually uh, Hannah Marks had a movie at Tribeca this year called uh, Mark, Mary, and Some Other People. And she was the director, as well as producer, writer. Um, I'm not sure if she was in it, but she's clearly moving to filmmaking, so I found that really interesting. She has a voice, she has stories, I love it. Mark, Mary, and Some Other People, which I had actually heard of, and it got uh, pretty decent reviews. Yeah, so according to IMDb, it's newlyweds reluctantly decide to give ethical non-monogamy a try as their lives get increasingly complicated. Which... I found it interesting because this is almost like a lives get increasingly complicated thing here. <laughs> it, it, yes, this, this does seem like a nice, if this is the bud 
and that's like the bloomed flower, yeah. perhaps. I'm excited to get into it because there are things that I really liked and things that I was shocked by in like not a good way here. And so I'm, I definitely would be interested in checking out that next thing that she's done to see how that voice to see how the how the voice shifts for a different story. Yeah, and again, I, I just, I'm just harping on this director thing too because you know maybe she felt like she needed her own voice to tell that story, right? We don't yeah. know. I'm putting words in her mouth, but I, I'm just as curious as you to see that film. We're going to get into the plot and all those things rather quickly because there really isn't much else to talk about except again the cast, Dylan Sprouse. As Nick Dylan here, Sprouse. the guy, not the Riverdale one, which I want the to other one, <laughs> the other one of the oh, thing. Oh, sorry, All's, I, that was rude of me. Sorry, Dylan. Dylan Sprouse, one of the twins from Sweet Life of Somebody and Somebody, and the Ross's child on Friends. You know who else's child on Friends? What do you mean? The mom in this, Jessica. Hatt. Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> which I was sorry. like, oh. That's interesting. Do they still talk? That's a good point. That's Did funny. they talk on set? And her character's name is Susan on Friends, and was Susan in this too. Weird. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Weird. I don't know. I thought she was great, by the way. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I thought she killed it. Jessica Hecht, and I, I know her because I'm a Friends fan, and everything I've seen her in, even if it's one scene... She's been amazing, so... Knocks it out of the park. She's also... She plays, like, the mom. I mean, I said that. I used air quotes. I, I don't mean to relegate her to that role. I, And we know that women in middle age get relegated to roles. But um, she plays the mom in um, Special. Oh, yeah. A series on Netflix. And she's great in that. I think... I, I'm so glad that show exists. I think there's some great things there. It's not always to my taste, necessarily. Like... And her scenes are almost always my favorites. So, absolutely. Let us shout out Jessica Hecht because she's great. She's great in uh, Sideways. Um, What was she in recently that... Oh, she was in, I think, a couple episodes of that show, The Boys. It's like a Mm. superhero. Too violent for Iceland. I, I have admittedly not watched it, but happy, again, working actor who's still getting props because I... I read somewhere that she was doing great in that. Um, Make that money, Jessica. And then the other person I recognized here was Jacob Batalon, who played a character named Jacob. Interesting. He's been <laughs> in the newer Spider-Man films. Okay. He's the movie theater manager. Okay. Um, did you recognize him from another thing? I thought I recognized him from Let It Snow. Oh, he is in that. You're right. Isn't he Keon in Let It Snow? You're absolutely right. I totally forgot about that. So he is... for, for me, that was weird. <laughs> in the universe of our podcast episodes, they do not go together, but they happened to go together for me this week, which was weird. That is weird. That was like when we had the principal and Jamie also in Enola Holmes. Like, you're just like, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> Spooky podcast coincidences that mean nothing and no one cares about. Well, I'm going to make you care about this next one because it was just a silly, silly thing. So when I did my big 2020 rewatch, watching all these movies in a row, Giancarlo Esposito, Breaking Bad, a bunch of other stuff. I'm watching this movie called Stargirl, which we might cover. We might not cover um, from 2020. Disney movie filmed in Albuquerque uh, or somewhere in New Mexico. I believe it was Albuquerque. And he's randomly in this movie that there's no other famous people in. I'm like, oh, that's cool, whatever. And he plays just whatever, this character. Then the next movie I watch is Unpregnant, 
also filmed in Albuquerque. And he randomly shows up there. Did he just hang out in Albuquerque? Yeah. Did his agent, like, this is, I felt like it went down like this. Hey, I took a movie in Albuquerque. I kind of like it here. Maybe I don't. Breaking Bad also filmed in Albuquerque. So he what else knew, you got? So he knew it, exactly. Anything else around here? Totally. <laughs> you know, can I kill two birds with one stone? So, yeah, th- these coincidences happen and no one cares about them, but you feel like you need to express them to make them more real. So I get you. Totally. Can I say <laughs> something stupid? Sure. I have transitioned in my mind to say feed two birds with one scone. Oh, I like so it. So that I'm not killing the birds. <laughs> we don't need to kill any birds here. No animals are harmed in the recording of High School Similarly, AP, so. you can, it conveys the same thing to feed a fed horse instead ah. of to feed a dead horse. Anyway, it doesn't actually matter, but I like those alternatives and I've trained myself. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I wasn't even thinking of the killing of the birds, but now I am, so I'll, I'll hopefully never say it again. <laughs> That the, the, your um, New Mexico theory reminds me of my theory about Josh Brolin, that he found an old Western duster he loved. And so then he just walked set to set with that duster on <laughs> and appeared in a number of Western-esque or sci-fi Western sort of things. Because it just seems like when I picture him, I picture a duster and a hat. And I don't know what movie it's from, but I feel oh, like there's sure. a handful. Ooh, we are on the rabbit hole because it just, now it reminds me of, there's like a meme with uh, Danny DeVito and it's like, it's like Tim Burton calling and he's like, I'll, gra- <laughs> I'll grab my top hat because I yes. think he's been in like three or four Danny DeVito films where he wears a top hat. So. <laughs> God, I love it. Woo. This is what happens when there's no production information. <laughs> we just go rogue. We we're filling it in, but we're having a good time, <laughs> nonetheless. Hope you are too. <laughs> we we we're having we have a rapport, like the characters here in Banana Split, because that was one of the nice. other things I read that Hannah Marks and Liana Liberato actual friends in real life before this. Okay, so they didn't they didn't become best friends through the filming. They were they were friends before. Yes. Okay. Because weirdly, yeah, they're like in 2006 or 2007. Again, I had to do a real internet deep dive, but they were on the cover of New York Magazine together as like a young up and comers in Hollywood issue. Oh, you know? interesting. Maybe they met there. I don't know, but again, oh, filling so a lot of cool. gaps. <laughs> I mean, I did think their chemistry was fantastic. Oh, for sure. Uh, I think we can agree on that. Any other people in the cast that you want to point out? Or should we just get into the things you loved and didn't love about this film? I think let's get into it because I have things to say about other characters. And some of that comes in in like our questions and awards and stuff. And so let's just get into it. As the film did, this film started with kind of a montage. It started with a whole relationship and more humping than I'm used to in an opening (laughs) scene. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, this is not, um, just to answer a question early, this is definitely not a high school movie for tweens or no, children. No, <laughs> it's pretty explicit in both visuals and conversation. And I'll, I'll tell you that, so I um, uh, watched it with a friend who's in a similar line of work that I am. And so various things kind of, you know, were attuned to. And here's, here's what my thing of the writing To me, it's that thing when you're in a college class and your professor curses a little bit too much. (laughs) So it's not just like they're emphasizing the things they want to emphasize. They're emphasizing things, but they want you to know they're cool. 
that's the feeling I got, particularly in the first half, because some of the dialogue is so explicit and I'm not like offended. It's not that I, I understand people talk how they talk. I just feel like it was a little bit, I don't know. We've seen the behind closed doors. This is how women talk to each other kind of thing before. And so I just, I don't know. I felt like it was, it was bolded and underlined and italicized. And it was just like, it's cool. You could just do one of those three things. It would be be fine. So I don't know how did, whether it's the visual or the dialogue or that, did you have any sort of reaction to that? Well, I'm going to be completely frank with you. I'm glad you said it and not me. Okay. It definitely, it was definitely distracting at times. I also understand that that is a criticism. A lot of misogynistic men use against like female comics and stuff sure. i said that because i don't yeah. didn't want to come off that way no, that's a good you know i need to be careful in how i assess it because again I, i'm not saying women don't speak that way and i definitely there are times in my life where i have told people to suck my dick <laughs> <laughs> not at the dinner table just to be clear <laughs> I would not be sitting here with you now if that had come out of my mouth at the dinner table. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that from my perspective, it felt a little forced and okay, it came out in 2018 or it was made in 2018 or whatever. There are a couple of places that even in that span of time have not aged well. And so I was confused as to why these two young women were saying that, you know, the guy that they were involved in and his best friends were gay for each other multiple times in this movie. That was just like, again, women talk how they talk and have been written by men for too long and all those things. And just, I don't know, just being explicit for the sake of being explicit doesn't make it good or doesn't make it interesting. Yeah, this is AP because we have nuanced conversation, <laughs> right? No, but it's true. Like, I am 100% with you on this, that it was a distraction at certain points. But uh, off air, when we were discussing what movie to do, I think we both hit on this movie for different reasons. But my reasoning was that I started to look at the dates and I, I kind of was like, we need to kind of cover some of the early is 2018 it doesn't feel like right. that long ago but it's it's starting to become more and more long ago that, exactly yeah it's and, early for us and that's what's fascinating i think not to you know blow smoke up this show's ass or to curse more but <laughs> that's what's fascinating about doing this particular show because we're noticing exactly what you said little cultural changes yeah. From only a two or three year span. That's maybe I'm a nerd with it, but that's amazing to me in that respect. And maybe at the time, uh, Hannah Marks and the co writer felt like they needed to do exactly what you said see women do talk like this. Mm-hmm. But I think you could do that without it being also including offensive, stereotypical things because I feel like as it relates to same sex attraction and or intimacy and or close friendships they handle that i think well with their female friendship so if you take out the boys in it i will i would stand behind how they portrayed the intensity of female friendships and i love that and i love seeing that and i and i love having a a story where 
that is the relationship that I'm invested in, right? I could give a shit which one of them or all of them were involved with Nick or not, or Ben or not, but like I cared about their friendship. And so they covered that with like, just to be clear, I've made some jokes tonight, but I'm not a lesbian or they go on vacation together, sleep in the same bed. They're holding hands. Like it shows that closeness and that intimacy beautifully. So when it disappoints me by making low hanging fruit gay jokes about two young men who have a friendship, then I'm just like, it cheapens it for me. You are much more, uh, formally and probably informally educated on this stuff than I am. So I, I do have a question for you regarding that, right? Like, cause I had similar notes. How come like exactly what you're saying is true? Uh, like when it's like the women friendship, that seems like it's okay for lack of a better word. I feel like if we were watching a movie with guys who were friends and then they were being like, but we're not gay. Remember that? I would be like, this is really dumb, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but you're you're totally right, I guess is, is my point. That Like, it feels like it works with them, and, and it maybe wouldn't work if the tables are turned. Does that make sense? Totally. I, I think it's it's a few things, and a lot of it is this, like, kind of traditional gender role messaging and things, where I think if you look back in the world... And not everywhere, but so if we look back in like, let's even say like Western culture or, you know, back in, in cultural history of the U.S. or whatever, like women are perceived as more relational and we can go to any examples for that. We can go to like children's toys. We can go to mm. kind of whatever else. But so women, I think, are sort of allowed to have more intimate relationships than, than men are in part because we are expected to be nurturing and supportive and relational and also needy, like emotionally needy, stereotypically. And are, yes, seen as maybe weaker because of that emotionality, but like have the full range of emotions, right? Women are hysterical. Women are, you know, all the things, right? Which sort of then allows maybe for some of that closeness where again, stereotypically like culturally men are not, are confined in a different way. Like there's the man box, right? You got to fit into, or if you're outside of that, then you are not a man. You are, that's when you get into words like calling men female genitalia and things like that, right? To say that they're not, they're not real men. And so having an intimate close connection, whether that means physically or emotionally or whatever else, doesn't necessarily fit in that box. And so for me, the way that it plays out in this film is, is just kind of further proof that while there are subversive aspects of what happens in this movie and how they talk about it, it still follows some of the tropes that are so ingrained in us, right? If you take the same path every day, it's gonna create a road and it's gonna be harder to walk off the path. It reminds me of like the fight club of it all, right? Where there's essays and shit written about fight club around, it's the only way that it's okay to physically be that close to another man Mm. is in combat. And so they're getting their kind of relational stuff out through violence because hugging would, would be taboo. 
those are my thoughts. What do you think? <laughs> Fascinating to me. But, I mean, that's those are the slices that came off of the pie fastest and for me there's i'm certainly so much more and if other folks want to engage in the conversation join us online <laughs> and tell us the uh, the other things about this but that's that's my initial what i was thinking about when i was watching it yeah no and that's great too because we do see like the men here if you want to call them men um, i don't know i guess we know i mean they were all adults when they made the movie yes so. <laughs> fair so <laughs> the, we see the men here you know a punch is thrown. Someone is injured, right? I think you're right on the money with that. I'll tell you what I know. Please. I know high school films, and I yeah, know that this is a genre that I haven't named yet. I'm sure someone who went to film school and has read a lot of books has a name for this genre. On, on uh, AP, we'll call it like the last summer films, because that's like one oh, of the first yes. ones we did, right? The summer between your senior year of high school and your freshman year of college, or whatever it is that you do after, right? Totally, that transition time. And there's a whole bunch of films like this. I guess the most popular one we've done is uh, Say Anything. Sure. Euro Trip is another one that came to my mind. That's the framing device here. And I also I was fascinated with the fact that this friendship that we're talking about today happens in the span of that. While the relationship montage we see is a high school relationship and, you know... Turns out two years. Two years, and we, we see a lot of aspects of it. The time in the film that we're dealing with is, you know, what, two months? 89 or, or days. Eight, oh, yeah. The, they, they literally tell us. Yeah, the, the first neon sign we see, right, is 89 days. But And honestly, that's part of what I liked about it. Mm. So I, my question to you is, is that feeling of like pure attraction to a new friend that's like palpable? Is that a feeling that is familiar to you at all? I think, you know, we'll have to tennis it back a little bit to gender dynamics. Sure. Um, And it's something, you know, even personally, I've explored a lot. I've tried to explore a lot with myself. I know definitely at the time, at that age, boys didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like if it's a cool new friend, it's not like, yeah, let's explore this relationship further. Growing up almost felt the pull to do the opposite. You know what I mean? Oh, interesting. Which is disappointing. Yeah. it's. I mean, it, it's too bad just because as humans, we all have the capacity for all these different kinds of relationships and really deep and impactful relationships. And they don't have to last forever, which is another part of this that that I sort of liked is this is a capsule. This is a moment mm-hmm. in time. Yes, I'll be back November, December, blah, blah, blah. We as adult watching, as adults watching this know it's not going to be the same. It might be better. It might be worse. It, they might come back together in five years or whatever, but like this time is so unique. And I, I don't know, I, I, that feeling of just wanting like more of that person in a, non-sexual way or in a like non-romantic way was was familiar like I got that you know I feel like they portrayed that great I felt that feeling I understood they were feeling that feeling and I wanted that for them it's gonna sound corny because of the format we're in now but it took me a while personally just to feel that level with people I think I did when I was younger I had a bunch of friends in high school college ugh. There's a reason there's a reason this isn't college slumber party because I burned Amen. a lot of I burned a lot of bridges and um did a lot of stupid things and yeah and it was and college was a rough time for me. It really took 
like as weird as it sounds, my podcasting journey to feel confident in making new friendships and no one will no one in the real world will credit podcasting, but sure. I've noticed the change in me from even first time I met people in my wife's family, like cousins till years later now. I'm chatting it up at yeah. these, these weddings and, and building relationships like not that I didn't want to because I always wanted to, but I wasn't confident enough to think that people cared about what I had to say and my weirdo questions mainly because I am the guy at the wedding being like, oh, you're from Ohio? What's that like? You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. So, you know, it's an interesting question that you ask and maybe maybe the world's changed a little bit. Maybe it's easier when it, when it's a microphone and maybe this is, you know, this has been my crutch for or like my security blanket for it but it's definitely like opened me up more and now i feel like i can explore like oh a fun new friend let's podcast is more is more my thing now that that's the biggest comparison i have for building a new friendship kind of relationship except for like when i was really young like middle school or when everything's fun and that doesn't matter anymore and then right well when you're like the world is set up for social interaction for mm-hmm. you yeah 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 so that's my long-winded answer to your question <laughs> i mean yeah i think certainly gender and expectations and individual you know sort of like needs and and comfort and and you know all that kind of stuff play into it right it's not just a simple it's complicated for like everyone like we were saying before we turned on the podcast like everyone is unique it's just that we are all unique no one is no one should be like special above others i hope that in watching this movie people regardless of how they identify feel empowered to be excited about friendships and I have a I have a personal sort of vendetta against the phrase just friends because I feel like that when people say that in a way that trivializes friendship mm. and I I have a I mean I I call a lot of people my best friend I have a very best friend from grad school who happens to be a dude and and we are great friends and I remember at various points, different people would ask questions and try to figure it out and whatever. And whenever they said just friends, I would have like a visceral reaction to that because I felt like they were trivializing what we had because it wasn't this thing that you might expect a man and a woman who are close to have. So I guess I'm also sensitive to some of that stuff that I see played out in this movie because of my own experiences. I'd like to believe just from my small interactions with younger people that we are shedding that a lot. Oh, good. Okay, good. And I feel like as adults, I was always someone who liked to have friends of both or all genders. And it wasn't really, my mother used to be like, Oh, you're friends with her. You can't really be friends with a girl. Oh, that's too bad. (laughs) You know, but yeah, I know a lot of people the when up, harry met sally i was just generation. literally what i was gonna say the generation that watched when harry met sally and like oh okay you know like that that proves that that was definitely a thing but today like some of my friends who five years ago ten years ago would probably have subscribed to that mm-hmm. now have very very close dear friends who are to use your taboo 
just friends, just friends. and yeah. it's not and it's not a big deal and no one is like so you're never gonna you know like that's right again maybe that's just my social circle maybe that's my bubble maybe that's what i love I'm seeing, that though but, i think that's great news for for anyone related to your bubble the kind of friendship that is portrayed here i think is also rare to feel that connected and want to be that connected to you know someone else and and so yeah why why would we try to shut that down because of irrelevant genitalia for example i know that's not the only reason but like so i hope that people are feeling more welcome to explore the the good things that come from connecting with other people and this is just sorry guys if you're a real fan of banana split this is just going to be one of those episodes because we're we're getting in the nitty-gritty but now that we talk it out like this just I came to like a, this deep realization about myself. Tell me. As weird as weird as it is, I think as an adult, sometimes I've looked forward to and preferred friendships with non-male people mm-hmm. or whatever because I could be more open and intimate's a bad word, but just like I, I absolutely vulnerable. Vulnerable, yes. Thank you. Exact word I'm looking for. I could be more vulnerable that. Sometimes I feel like I can't be with my best, closest guy friends, even today, more than ever. Like, it's, it's strange how in this film, like, those gender roles are enforced a lot with, but they're not necessarily wrong um, the way they're portraying it. It's just, I hope, again, I hope all the walls come down. That's, totally. that's how yeah, I it, feel. It's just a bummer. You know, I, I remember um, hearing, and I don't remember who it was, but I remember the story of, like, you know, a, a family that was from the US and I think dad had to work somewhere. Um, so they were, I want to say in Spain, but somewhere else and with their son and their son had these really close friendships and then came back to the US and, you know, the second day of third grade or whatever, he's coming in from recess. They just played this soccer game and he puts his arm around another young boy. This kid does as he would last year in Spain. And the kid like turns around and is like, get your hands off me, blah, blah. You know, like it's oh, just, God. it starts so young. It's so um, policed and enforced in this, like, why? We're kiddos. And I think um, if you're, uh, inter- if folks are interested in more of this, there is an educational program. Nice. More educational than High School Slumber Party AP? Uh, it's, yes, it's called The, the Mask You Live In. Oh. Is a documentary film about about some of this stuff. I think it has been on Netflix, but it's not always, you know, some of those um, educational movies, you know, end up costing, but it's about boys and young men as they struggle to stay true to themselves while negotiating America's narrow definition of masculinity. And it talks about like the age at which boys are trained out of their like relational aspects of friendships so that when you get to that like sixth seventh grade kind of thing where all kinds of business is going on you're not supposed to share those things and young women are encouraged to share those things and it's just such a disservice to boys and men to confine them that way yeah so crazy and i think about you know myself i work my whole team now is women except for me like i have issues working with men because of that vulnerability factor because you know especially in the business i do you have to kind of you know there's i got a a certain sense of vulnerability and yeah yeah, we have a care work care work is tough 
we even covered layers today of me. This is I not mean, a... <laughs> this is this is A to the P. <laughs> yeah, and then so in then in my line of work, so I'm bothered by these things because it's unfair, you know, to you all and unfair to all of us. And these are some of the building blocks, not all of them, but some of the building blocks that lead us to a place where we have interpersonal violence because you know, of all the things, because then we're, we're building in this anger that we can't, we're not allowed to express in other ways. We're, um, differentiating men and women and saying that there's only men and women, like there's all kinds of things that we do that kind of stem from some of this foundational stuff that puts us in a place where we accept violence and we accept violence against women. And so that is why these issues are everyone's business because it's not fair to anyone that you as an example of a man are not allowed to be vulnerable in all spaces. Like that's a problem for everybody. So I agree. So what are we saying? Okay. So back to this movie, this well, well, weird little movie. <laughs> kind of what I brought up though before, like uh, we are seeing the cultivation of like this beautiful friendship between two young ladies that is predicated though on a lie. Um, they're, they're lying to, the Sprouse kid, sorry, look at it. Nick, yes. They're lying to Nick. Um, there's a little awkward tension, and there are things that they can't talk about because it's They make him. rules. You know, just drawing that line to, again, the, the fight that Nick and Ben end up having where, you know, just a flash forward, but uh, Ben and April just confront him, and honestly, in a mature adult way, and the guy gets punched anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm not saying that's a negative or positive with the film. I think that's, at least, especially at the time, could be pretty realistic it felt to me i mean it's we don't hear the conversation right we see it from outside the building it felt to me like a plan that ben and nick had from like a pact that they made if if you do something like this i get to hit you you know what i mean because they're having the conversation and then ben just stands there as if he's waiting for his punishment it wasn't a surprise. It was premeditated in the moment. And so I thought it was like, like the girls had these rules about Nick. I felt like these two best friends had some sort of understanding of if there is a betrayal, there is a physical consequence. But that's just my interpretation. I mean, I still don't think that's good. You shouldn't punch no, someone. <laughs> no, no, no. And like, why is it Ben's fault and not April's? Although they do discuss that it is April's fault. <laughs> she just doesn't get hit in the face. I thought it was one of those like, yo, it's guy code, bro, kind of things. Like, the, sure. not necessarily they talked about, but, you know, the unwritten rules or whatever. But, again, only bringing it up because what is 90% of the movie, we would say? Just this, you know, friendship between this these This love young, story young between women. these yeah. young women. You said that you loved a lot of stuff about this. You did. Didn't love some stuff about it. But what were the things you really, really loved about it? Maybe scenes, moments, or Totally. Whatever. So I think... You know, I've, I've talked enough probably about like the intimacy of their female friendship. And I loved that. I want to talk about her family a little bit because oh. those were my favorite, some of my favorite scenes. And again, they were ridiculous. They were heightened from my perspective a little bit, but so you have April, her mom, um, Susan, that you've, we've talked about, um, Jessica Hecht, and then her little sister, Agnes, which I love as the name of a little sister. Cause it's just not something I think of as a, as a child's name. 
And while we know that all the people playing teenagers are in their 20s, I felt like Agnes, who's Addison Riki, was meant to be 13. I felt like she was 13. I mean, she looked young to me. So I felt that was like authentic age-wise, but the the back and forth with the sisters and the escalation and the mom just trying to have a nice dinner, like, I loved that. I thought that was fun. Again, I would not have gotten away with saying, ask, suggesting that anyone suck my dick at the dinner table. <laughs> but those parts, I enjoyed the, they were successful in making it seem like one of thousands of dinners they had had together. And she's always cooking salmon. You know, <laughs> I, I liked that aspect of it. So uh, she was 14 uh, when this movie came out. So, you know, accurate on that. Where does she rank on your sassy little sister ranking? Again, I want to say a little forced. <laughs> Not every line needs to be like have a drum ba-dum-bum to it. And I felt <laughs> like... Every one of her lines had that. And I am pointing to the writing. I think you could point to the choices of the actor if you wanted to, but I I just feel like it was at like my critique overall, it was a little too much. It's that thing about give me everything and then pull back a little bit. I feel like if they had hired me, right, I would have pulled back like 10% on things where I felt like it was going too far in in trying to make its point. It was feeding a fed horse for me in some moments. Um, What did you think in terms of a sassy little sister? It was first time, jarring, funny. And not that she was annoying. I think she was great at what she, you know, doing what she was given, right? Like, but you're, you're right that like, it really started to lose the effect for me. Part of the fun I have with the sassy little sister trope is that it comes, or a little brother sometimes, you know, like they choose great moments when it's done right. Yes. Which is like injecting like, oh, you're wise beyond your years. Like, you yes. know, <laughs> it doesn't seem come sort of randomly as it does. Or just the all the time. All the time. You know, yeah, that's a better way to put it. I don't, I don't want them to take out any of the dinner scenes, leave them all in. But if you had ramped Agnes up so that by the time we got to the dinner with Clara, that was the height of her sassiness and her wisdom and her you know crash on nick and all that kind of stuff i think that would have been more effective more interesting because she was just always at she was always at a 10 of like i'm in love with your boyfriend i'm (laughs) you know sex positive at 13 i'm this and this and that kind of thing you know i i don't know speak speaking of the boyfriend because like i do want to bring up nick again sure i was curious like was he likable to you unlikable um did you feel bad for him because again like i said they were lying to him the entire time but yeah i I think dylan sprouse did a great job of i believed that both of these women would be attracted to him like you know i i believed that he he could be a hunk that would be you know could 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 be in relationship with either of them and I believe that he understood his role, which was to be the obstacle in their friendship, but that we shouldn't care too much about him. Cause I didn't, right? Yeah. When he wasn't on screen, I didn't miss him. When he was on screen, I was always like, okay, how are you gonna mess this up? So I actually, it's not until your 
asking me about it and mentioning it a couple of times that I'm even remembering the betrayal that was them withholding their friendship from him. Like I see that now I'm like, oh, that's questionable. But in my watching of it, I didn't care because I was more interested in them. That's kind of why I brought it up. I think that's by design. And I think that that is one of the things that the movie does actually successfully. Like you don't care about the hunk. Not at all. You know, I did not care that they were lying to him. That wasn't the bigger deal to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more the bigger deal that, oh, no, this is going to this is beautiful thing that they're building is definitely going to come to some kind of crash and burn. Well, one, because we're watching a movie. It it was just but but also it's just not set up to succeed. They're eventually going to have to meet, you know, with the boyfriend and something. People are going to get jealous. Things are going to happen. Or, yeah, one of them's going to get jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that was. Probably the best thing that the movie did for me was make this boyfriend character that a lot of films would screw up. And I'm missing, you know, examples right now, but you've seen it. I've seen it. The movie where, like, two two girls are in love with the same guy. And And it's like, why? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) What's so special about him? Yeah. No, exactly. And yeah, I mean, again, they were able to subvert that a little bit and make it about the friendship that there were moments, and I'm sure you agree, there were moments where I completely forgot that, that, that there was that guy element. Totally. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I think whether it be in the writing and the con- conception of the character or in the portrayal where that could have gone a different way. And so I do want to credit Dylan Sprouse a little bit with, like, he did a great job being kind of neutral and kind of, you know, just interesting enough, but forgettable. That's a hard... Hey, do you want to play this role where you are the forgettable man? Like, <laughs> I don't think pe- people get asked that question that much, but I think he did a he did a great job of that. Couldn't agree more. Another question I wrote down that I, I wanted to ask you is, uh, Ben, the friend, um, what, were you, what were your thoughts on him? I love Ben. I wanted more Ben. Every time Ben was on screen, I would say out loud, Ben is the hero of this movie. <laughs> I loved him so much. Uh, okay, okay, I'm with you again, because I thought Ben was so cool, but I was afraid that they yeah. were going to turn this character somehow. And that was like, I, I was more too. like, I like him, but should I like him? Something bad's going to happen? Because like, I thought he was going to have, you know, have a big crush on one of the girls. And then, well, they have like, I know they have a moment where they kiss, but it's definitely not like that like it didn't seem as if he had been pining the whole time yes it seems and i I don't mean this it seemed opportunistic but i i i don't mean that in a way that either of them was manipulating i just mean the opportunity was there and they took it yeah he wasn't uh i don't remember the character's name but that character we talked about in tall girl oh yeah I mean, Ducky is what comes to mind, but I know that's not what we're talking about. Duck, well, Ducky's a better example. I mean, I think more people know that. That's a trope, and it's been done a certain way, where it's just like the best friend who's secretly in love with the main character, and sometimes they justify it. Sometimes that person turns into the bad guy, you know, in movies. Right. And this was able to skirt that line where he was just like this cute friend He's kid. also a young kid, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't know the, the word I'm looking for, but... Yeah, I really liked his character. And I was worried that you weren't going to like his character for some reason. Oh, God. I don't know why. I, no, I loved him. Because, okay. like, poor... And I also kept saying poor Ben. Um, is that he is, you know, kind of literally stuck in the middle. His best friend is Nick. And so 
you know, he knows he's, he's kind of also intimately involved to some extent in April and Nick's relationship for two years, right? If your best, it's your best friend's girlfriend there, they seem to have somewhat of an independent friendship as well, um, April and Ben. And then Clara and Ben are like family friends from childhood, like basically cousins as they describe it. And so he is the only one that knows all of what these young women are doing. And he's also the only one other than the audience who's really getting to witness it. And so I think that that shared perspective a little bit also kind of makes me feel a kinship with the Ben character. Um, he had of the lines that I've, you know, said, I don't love all the dialogue in this movie. Like, I think he had great lines. I think he delivered them great. I, I thought he was just an outstanding character. I wanted, I wanted to be friends with that kid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. Uh, another thing I liked about the movie, really simple thing, but we talk about this a lot. Part of the reason for their breakup is that she decides to go to Boston University and yeah. he de- he decides to go to, I think, UC Santa Barbara. I love how that's not a major plot point. Like, should I, you know, just go to school with him or anything like that? Because we've seen that too many times. Right. Also, UC Santa Barbara... Boston University, great schools. Amazing and then schools. isn't Ben going to Colorado? Yeah, Ben's going to Colorado. Another great, great school. But I'm so happy it wasn't Harvard, Stanford, and the usual ones we get. I did think of you when I saw the UC <laughs> Santa Barbara on there. I was like, oh, good. We don't see that a lot, and that's great. Oh, it's so, that's so awesome. Thank you for being a little bit different in that respect. Little thing, but you know I had to mention it. Yeah, and and Clara not wanting to go to college, or at least at the moment, that not being her priority, like that's that also wasn't. It was brought up and kind of used against her at some points, but it was also just happened to be her choice, and I thought that was good too. Another trap I was worried about because they kept mentioning cul- culinary school, and uh, what did they? I forgot what she called canary it. school. Oh, canary school, yes. And in the end, she's like, you know, maybe I'll check out culinary school, and that's fine. I thought it was, I thought she was going to get like straight laced and apply to these culinary schools and because we see oh. that too it's like no yeah. i like i like the fact that she doesn't know that she's taking some time she just moved to a new place and she wants to you know see the lay of the land loved seeing that i thought that was awesome yeah Iceland, did you sorry I, I i have a little bullet point list this movie made me think of you a lot so that and, and not just because we were doing it but <laughs> Did you learn any Instagram lessons from this movie? Because I feel like it's, it's also 2018. It's it's when Instagram was more hot than it, was it is now. It's probably like my my Instagram <laughs> level that way. I knew already about Finsta, which is your fake Instagram account. I knew, I knew about that. And yes, I giggled in the scene where the um, two women are, are walking in the Hollywood Hills, it seems like, taking a hike. And sort of realize, like, she's like, oh, because I saw your Instagram. And like, oh, you're, you're friends with that fake, you know, Tatiana Realicious. Like, <laughs> I could see someone saying, like, well, why would she have remembered that name? But that's the kind of thing I would remember because I am currently trying to figure out, are these real people? <laughs> if I don't know someone's name and they're trying to follow me, I look to see, do they appear to be a real person? Are they trying to sell me something? Are they trying to murder me? Or do they listen to a podcast that I talk on? And so if you are in the latter category and I have mistook you for the former, I do apologize. Try again. If you are in that category, just just send High School Slumber Party a message and I'll give eyes yes. on the, the heads yes, up. Yes, Brian will take care. <laughs> I send Brian texts about Instagram. Not all the time, but 
I've sent a few as I try to figure out the world. Um, and so, yes, if you're trying to, if I'm not getting the point, let Brian know and, and, and he will explain it to me. So a lot of the things I have for this movie, uh, good or bad, I kind of saved for my uh, questions. Questions, later. absolutely. Uh, so was there anything that you wanted to mention that? You know, I'm, I'm kind of similar. I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of the foundational pieces and then I agree with you. I, I applaud it for some of the zags it took in terms of it not being about whether she should go to college or not recognizing that, you know, the, the loss and the grief of like leaving your family to go someplace else. And this recognition that the next chapter is, is a whole new thing. And that like, yes, this is the end of high school, but, but there's so much more coming that I, I just, I was glad to see. I was, I liked, I liked those aspects. And nobody went along with someone to the college destination they were going to, which right. is always, <laughs> always something we get, but it's always weird in movies. Yeah. Okay. So two other things actually that I found that I wanted to mention that were not, uh, yeah. that I'm not going to mention later. Lyft definitely gave some money for this film. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because uh, like the whole Kleenex thing you mentioned, I feel like most people will still say I'm Ubering or, or something like that. Yes. Not I'm lifting. And then you like see the Lyft logo a bunch. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lyft, Lyft was a sponsor. Good for them. No yelling in the Lyft. <laughs> yes. Good for Lyft for, uh, you know, supporting independent film. Um, and then I, I felt a little rewarded when... Uh, Clara slushied April <gasps> yeah. and, and hit her in the chest. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's weird. You usually see it go to the face in movies. And then they address it later, like, oh, I meant to hit your face. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I like that. That's cool. So- nice. See, yeah, they have the same. Maybe they have the same pet peeve about that you do. <laughs> so validated a little bit there. Other than that, okay. oh, oh, sorry. One more, and I put this in bold. <laughs> Loved for our... Our spiritual leader, our godfather, Joey Lewandowski, big Carly Rae Jespin fan. Yes. So, so is Nick in this film, and I laughed a lot at that. Call me maybe. Yeah, he's just staring at that call me maybe sign. Love it. Yeah, that was a nice little cage club Easter egg. Little Easter egg there. But let's get to our questions then. Who was this movie made for? We mentioned it a little bit, but because of the explicit nature of it... I would say teens and adults. Yeah, I said specifically adults who are into indie films, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I or teen my, films. Or teen films. I don't think like my mom would necessarily like or dislike. Maybe she would. I don't know. But she never. She's not going to find this movie. Is I guess my point. Sure. Is this based on YA? No. Um, dead parent or dead teen? I don't. The father left them, right? I don't think. I was going to say yeah. There's a, there's absent, but no. No death. Most likely to succeed. Which character won the movie? Ben. Ben is the voice of reason. (laughs) Ben is the comic relief. Ben is also one of the people saying, like, next year is going to be awesome. We're going to college. Like, he is forward momentum. I think, you know, some of these people at these parties and, and even potentially some of the other main characters in the film, like, are peaking in high school. Ben is going to peak later, and I love it for him. I think he's going to have an outstanding life. That's a great what did you pick. Think? That's a great pick. I should have picked Ben. I picked April. I know it's the lead, okay. and I know that's the cheap, cheap thing. But the fact that she, 
she almost got together, back together with her ex-boyfriend, but then didn't and went her own way. Yeah. And, like, owned her shit in the end. Exactly. Took accountability for the things that she was doing. Uh, Made a new friend in the process who she's looking forward to seeing when she comes back for whenever her break is. So that's why I picked April. Good ending for our lead. Totally. Wooderson Award. And this is for a character who you would have liked to have seen more of in the film. Who is it for you, Iceland? I mean, part of me wants to say Ben also, (laughs) but I don't really mean that because I feel like it was kind of just right. So I'm going to say the um, manager at the movie theater. I I thought his scenes were great. I could have used a little bit more of him. Oh, you liked him. Interesting. So I actually, even though I like the actor, I gave him my Long Duck Dong Award. Okay. Interesting. As much as I liked him and I liked his lines, he was a tad creepy. And I think that's a, I think that's. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I walked away for one scene. He didn't harass her at the theater. A, a a patron harassed her, right? There was a patron who harassed her? Did he, like, touch her shoulder awkwardly? He touched her shoulder awkwardly, okay. yeah. I missed okay. that scene, and I thought I thought it was someone going to a movie that did that. I didn't realize it was the manager that did that. No, he did that. Oh. That's why it was a weird character to me, because there was, like, fun yeah. moments, and then, and then he just, after seeing that, and then he flat, uh, fires her. When that happened, uh, with the slushy incident happened. Yeah. Now, yes, it was unprofessional, but part of me thought that he was firing her because, like, she revealed that she was with a guy now, and suddenly, like... Oh, see, yeah, I was missing that very important scene where he was creepy. Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, you want more of him? That's interesting. (laughs) What happens when you um, go to the kitchen to get more (laughs) wine uh, and don't pause it? I'm going to stand by it because it's what I said. Uh, maybe if there was another scene, he would have been able to redeem himself from being creepy. The good version, because he's, he's a really fun actor, the good version of him would have been awesome and I would take more of. And and that's and that's kind of the thing too, was seeing him, having recognized him from something else I just saw where he was charming. I did mean it more about the actor, um, but, <laughs> you know, we're not perfect here. While we are AP, we're not perfect. So no. I'm just barely in class. Uh, so uh, speaking of Long Back Dong. Um, well, I didn't give my Wooderson Award, though. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, who's yours? Oh, random character, but I really liked him. Mordecai, he hosted the first house party. I loved, like, he's like, no one in the bedrooms. He's, like, tidying up, like, when they were in the parents' room. I don't know. <laughs> I would like a little bit more of Mordecai, because that, whoever that young actor was did a really great job with And it's a, a great name. It's a great name. It's a great name. <laughs> I mean, that and Bruno Shabazz. Yes, together. yes. <laughs> Good names in this film. Good names people have in parties. So I mentioned my Long Duck Dong Award winner already. Who was yours? Mine were the two, oh. April's two friends, Molly mm. and the other one. I don't think they brought anything to it. They seemed to be one-dimensional caricatures of, like, vapid high school girl. So I didn't like you know what I mean? Like, I didn't like that. I didn't feel like that fit with these three-dimensional women that the movie, you know, included. And it made me wonder why April was friends with them. And like, I just, I didn't, they were not charming or interesting to me. I completely forgot about them until you mentioned. And you're so right. That's exactly what I thought when I was watching the movie. Like, 
why is she friends with people with these people? And I know you there's that happens in real life too, but yeah. they didn't seem that they liked her that much and she didn't seem like she liked them that much. So I don't know. Good call on that one though. I like it. The extra credit assignment. Every episode we recommend a classic teen movie to a character in the film. Eisen, what classic teen film will you recommend to one of these characters and what character are you recommending it to? I went rogue Ooh. on this one. And it is not a teen movie, and I'm not recommending it to one of them. I want all four of our lead characters to watch Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Are you familiar with that movie? I know the name. Um, 1969, about these two couples. And what do you call, like, encounter groups and, like, new age self-help whatever and, like, polyamory and not and oh. swinging and not and like i don't know i just i would i would love to watch them watch it and see what their reaction would be interesting yeah i'm somewhat familiar with this film i never knew what it was about it was one of those movies that you just read it yeah elliot gould okay that's cool i love that pick oh yeah I'm glad you went rogue <laughs> so but you know the IMDb is documentary filmmaker Bob Sanders and his wife Carol attend a group therapy session that serves as the backdrop for the film's opening scenes. That is not what the movie's about. Why? Oh. How? How is that? A... <laughs> Ridiculous. Okay. So yeah, that that was my rogue. What what is the extra credit homework for and for whom, from your perspective? So I, I did go with the letter of the law here. I did not go rogue, but was thinking of just a good teen friendship movie so two people i guess so maybe it went a little rogue but april and clara want them to watch book smart together that's a great answer i think they'd enjoy it you know <laughs> totally i love that a uh, moment of truth though handing you the red pen and the card a plus to f scale what will you grade this film today banana split but before before you make that decision we have our cheat sheet as always now, remember, this is an independent film, so when you look at like the raw numbers here, we're not talking about thousands of people rating it. It's just the people who happen to see it. 89% by the, by the critics who saw it, which is pr- pretty high. Uh, 61% by the audience. And 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which is a decent score. Again, anything in the threes is respectable. Let's throw it all away, though. Eisen, A plus to F, what will you grade? Banana split. I'm going to give it a, a B. A solid B. Like I said, there are choices that they made in the writing and the making of it that I really thought were great. I love a story about female friendship, even dis- even though it is in this case like disguised as something else. And I love that one of the young women in the in the film also wrote it, produced it, and is now directing, as you shared with us. So I'm glad it's in the world. I like all those things. Some of the jokes don't age well. I think they slap you in the face with explicit content that I don't think, I think loses its effectiveness. And so for those reasons, I give it a B. What do you give it? Similar grade for me. Uh, I wrote down B minus. Was it a perfect movie? No, but I would be proud to make this movie, of course, to make any movie really, you know, it's such an accomplishment, but especially seeing how Hannah Marks has, uh, made another film and is directing it as well as writing and producing it now. I feel like this is a great start for a potentially 
awesome career that she could have. Maybe there'll be another AP movie we'll discuss. Maybe there'll be a movie on contenders that you guys will discuss eventually. So B minus for me. Um, there are certain people I would recommend it to, and there's certain people who I know, you know, probably aren't going to enjoy it. But I laughed, had a good time, and and it's short. I was literally just going to say oh, that. Damn, sorry. Any movie that is this short, it's going to get a little bit of props for me because you just knock it out. It's short and, and it's easy as well. This is not. It wasn't a grind yes. to watch. Probably. One of the reasons you missed that uh, creepy theater guy scene because, you know, blink and you'll miss anything in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a cool 128. Love it. Love this question. Sleeping bags. If you and I, as an are AP slumber party and we're bringing theme sleeping bags from the film Banana Slip, Banana Slip, Woo, it's getting late, Banana Split, what do those sleeping bags look like? Island, what does yours look like? So I, um, was watching this with my friend Kristen and we both commented at different points about aspects of the bedding in this movie. So there was a lot of like pale colors and patterns behind them. Like there are multiple scenes where they are in someone's bed talking and you're kind of looking down on them. And so I love the, the inside of the sleeping bag is going to be like one of the sets of pillowcases they had that was just um, a floral print. Like it looks like a vintage floral print in pastels. So that's the inside. And then the outside is going to be like one of the comforters they had that was very tactile. Like it had little rows of little fringes and stuff on it. It reminds me of some bedding we have um, at our cabin in Montana that I I love to see because it just reminds me like it's just been in my life forever. And seeing those things here made me feel like they had just been in their houses. You know, they'd been in April's house forever kind of thing. So that's my sleeping bag because I like how they the the way they set it up in the movie. So I'll steal it for my sleeping bag. It does look like cabin stuff, right? Like it, it feels very lived in and and mm-hmm. there. So that that is cool. I like that. Maybe easy choice for me. I did like uh, the way this movie looked and the aesthetics of it. Uh, the font was something I'm calling uneasy neon because yeah. like they would have like the 89 and, or whatever the days were and like that. So I just want like kind of abstract designs in that uneasy oh, cool. like neon graffiti. Yeah, neon graffiti exactly. I like it. That's a good one. <gasps> Can it glow in the dark? Oh, there you go. Upgraded the sleeping bag, of course. That might distract other people. But Well, I you don't have care. to like hold it up to the lamp first. Oh, it's got like a very yeah. close. It's not like a nuclear glow in the dark. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I like that. <laughs> Okay, favorite question every week, the blockbuster question. You and I are in the magical blockbuster that has every movie that has ever existed. Uh, On AP, we get our own picks. The rule of this blockbuster is rent two movies, get one free. So we know we're renting Banana Split. Eyes on what two other movies will you rent for your AP triple feature? Okay. I thought a lot about this today, and... I'm pleased with myself, but they don't necessarily go to, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting film festival. So as you mentioned that like period between end of high school and the next step is a common theme that's explored. A classic exploration of that that I've watched many, many times is can't hardly wait. Nice. Nice. That's another good one. Even a shorter span, but great. And it's a little bit, it has some opposite things in that it was, it was not a little indie, right? I mean, it was a movie with up and coming stars and blah, blah. Like, I don't know. I, it's, 
not the antithesis, but like it's not not a small independent movie. So the other movie I picked is also like a teen independent movie. And I don't know exactly other than I could picture Clara and April watching this is I picked It Follows. Oh, interesting. Just super weird for me too, because I'm not a horror person, but I was so intrigued by the premise of It Follows. And then I did watch it. I, I made Tobin watch it with me so that he could tell me when to shut my eyes. But um. But I really, I mean, it was such an interesting idea and I really liked it and I like what it explored. And so there was something parallel to me in this of what I liked, how it explored this kind of coming of age stuff. So that is a wacky night of, of films, but um, I picked Can't Hardly Wait and It Follows. Oh, I like it. That's awesome. Three very different films, but there's a this string tying them together. I like that. And also just so many white people, and I do apologize well, for that. I mean, but it's a pretty this genre it's a pretty is vanilla. That's true. The genre is tough that way, but I'm not making an excuse. Just calling out my own, you know, learned behaviors. Like when I make the ballot for the High School Lumber Party Hall of Fame this every year, I'm like, this is a lot of white people. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a reality. But good picks. I like those. What are yours? My two picks are both uh, independent films. One's a more well-known independent film, and one is a independent film that came out the same year as this. Uh, the more well-known one is Ghost World. Also, oh, yeah. also a movie about uh, two young women and that time right after they graduate and friendship and That's things great. getting between it. So this really reminded me of, not really like aesthetic-wise, but in terms no, of plot-wise of ghost world so that's pick one pick two is a movie a guy we mentioned a lot today joey lundaski uh came on my podcast recommended this one he had seen this movie he came on my podcast recommended it to me and the slumbers out there it's called never going back from 2018 yeah also two women friends of the same age kind of feeling their way through situations (laughs) that's the best way to put it same year yeah. Um, we covered this, it might have been 2018, when we covered the movie on High School Slumber Party. And as it is 2021, and as we have seen those little changes in society and art, I'm curious to do a rewatch of it to see if there's any of the same things that we notice here today with Banana Split. So I thought that would be a fun Slumber Party to kind of compare notes to see, like, an older one in Ghost World and then two from 2018 and just... I don't know. Chat about it. That, that, those are my kind of slumber parties. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. That sounds like a great slumber party. All right. That was our episode on Banana Split. Hope you enjoyed it. Always, you know, always fun talking modern teen films with you, Aislinn. And of course, once again, follow High School Slumber Party on social media i have a twitter now because i realized through a lot of conversations with people that i need to divorce myself the high school slumber party twitter is really exclusively should only be for commenting on high school things and i keep it to that but sometimes i want to comment on other things and i just absolutely don't. brian has something to say exactly and i silenced brian for a very long time and and it's time i got my own voice and I, I have a very 
Un- unlike your wonderful name, Island, that is that is so unique. My name is very generic. My last name is a top ten most popular last name it's in true. the country. I am clearly a late adopter to to personal Twitter. Nothing, no variation of my name was even <laughs> remotely available. Okay. And I got really mad, so I picked an outrageous thing. So my Twitter handle for all you out there is Oh My Rodriguez. So felt dramatic. <laughs> so I love it. Follow That's great. me there on Twitter if you'd like, and I'm trying to speak more for myself there. And then all the other high school slumber party stuff and Iceland. Where can people follow you, find you, anything else you want to say? Absolutely. I'm excited to converse with you more broadly on Twitter. <laughs> um, my Twitter is at sassynerdmt. And my Instagram is Iceland.ruth. And again, I, I'm working on my Instagram literacy and so thank you for uh, <laughs> your patience with that. <laughs> and thank you for talking Banana Split with me. like to thank the other half of the duo, Island Addington, for another awesome episode. And I really mean it. That was a really fun, awesome episode here on Banana Split. We got personal. I love when we get personal. I uh, just want a couple things I wanted to say before I let you guys go. First off, I uh, want to apologize for the late delivery of this episode. Life's been a little bit difficult these days, and you know I'll leave it at that, but... I'm happy to be able to get this episode out because it's really a labor of love and I enjoyed it. I'm happy to be able to do this. It's my salvation, saving grace. It's it's the thing I look forward to most. So thank you for listening, as always, and appreciate you waiting when times get a little tough here and there. Also, also, <laughs> whenever it comes out, hopefully tomorrow, maybe in a day or two, but we're back Fell dog, hamster, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, the two Corys. We're doing it again. Mike Manzi will be my partner for this. For the next, what, two months, I guess, we're going to be sprinkling in some Corey movies that we haven't covered yet. These guys, for better or worse, if you like them, if you hate them, they are the undisputed kings of teen films for like a good 10 years. They had such a 10-year run that we're going to have to, you know, spread out this series for like at least three years. (laughs) We did a bunch last year. We're doing a bunch this year. We'll do a bunch next year, but we got to start somewhere. And this year we decided to start with a classic, a Corey Feldman film. And of course, this is your homework for whenever the episode comes out. We are going to be talking. Stand by me. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence. A 
time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959. Body. I bet you anything that if we find him, we'll get our pictures in the paper. Yeah, yeah, we can even be on TV. Sure, we'll be heroes. Yeah. Just suppose that I told the story. Do you think that anyone would have believed it? This is really a good time. The most. film for a whole generation does it hold up today is Corey feldman the hero of the film or the villain who knows i don't even know if we actually talked about that but mike manzi and i will break it all down that'll be your next episode once again so have a watch of that and have a listen for when that episode comes out remember guys life moves pretty fast if you don't stop around once in a while you could miss it later dudes